This is Beat the Closing Line. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. Nicole Russo is off this week. So, unfortunately, you're stuck with just myself, Eli Herskovich, and Mo Noir, who's back after his hiatus. How was your vacation, Mel? It was pretty good. Attended a lot of sporting events. Um, <laughs> I have to say that... Uh, Unfortunately, the NFL game was the opposite of the highlight. It was the low light of, of the trip. We went to um, Buccaneers, Rams with the Gridiron Gamble crew, and that game sucked. Uh, not only <laughs> did it suck to watch, but the Bucks failed to cover minus three for us in the contest. They failed to cover minus three for me, uh, punishing me for not getting the early two and a half. What are you going to do? That's fair. At least you didn't lose that bad outright, right? At least you got the push better than nothing. Got the push deserved better. I think, uh, I think <laughs> they were soundly outplayed the Rams. Uh, basically the Rams entire offense was just that one 70 yard bomb, uh, double move by cup and they did absolutely nothing outside of that. So, uh, yeah, but not only a bad game to watch, but you know, Florida, Florida sports crowd, dead crowd and just not a fun until the very end when they won the game. And then all these idiots around me shouting about how Brady is the goat. He sucked for 59 <laughs> and a half minutes. You guys. All right. We're going to, we're going to leave the top Brady hatred out for the rest of the podcast, but Cooper cup out for the season out for the Rams who continue their decline after losing outright, obviously against the spread as well against the Cardinals back in week 10. But before we get into our week 11 bets for uh, Mo and I, as always, we're digging into the opening lines for this week and discussing how we think those lines are going to move as we get closer to game time. So before we get into things, make sure to give this video, if you're watching on YouTube, a thumbs up, subscribe, ring the bell to get notifications. If you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, for that matter, leave a five-star review and you'll have a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. We're 22, 15 and one between Mo and I. Nicole's also contributed her fair share of victories, whether it's against the spread, totals, whatever it may be. But 22, 15 and one between Mo and I against the spread this season through 10 weeks on the podcast. Mo, how did your bets go in week 10 overall? Could have done better for sure. Uh, I think I posted more winners than losers, but too much on the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> clearly your dog was upset about that Broncos loss he must have had Broncos too too much on the Broncos <laughs> and I did get a lot of it back though I will say so last weekend went to Jaguars Chiefs show my buddy uh, the Arrowhead experience and needed a little bit of uh, you know some sweats for the game so I checked the player props put all of the monies on Etienne receiving overs and Etienne rushing unders. So we scooped the board on the player props and, and that, that helped a lot. Nice. Yeah. Negative game script for Jacksonville pretty much throughout, or at least in the second half, my bets didn't go great either. Mo one and two had a shorter NFL card with college basketball getting going. Browns got destroyed at Miami red zone turnover, or at least a turnover in plus territory didn't help in the first half when that game was a little closer, had Denver two plus two and a half. And 
Ryan Tannehill didn't play well, but we'll get to the Titans and how we're going to continue to fade Tennessee, at least I am, in, in week 11 for our bets. And Packers plus three and a half. Luckily, Green Bay had a fourth quarter comeback, and we'll dive into the Packers as well with that matchup here to kick things off. But, Mo, before we get into our week 11 bets, as we continue to postpone things for our audience, our patient audience, my biggest question for you is, as we continue to discuss every week how the Minnesota Vikings are more fraudulent than that one-loss record so far, and their home dogs to the Dallas Cowboys this week, a little bit of money coming in on Minnesota today. I'm seeing some Dallas minus ones out there as after it was high as as high as minus two on Monday. By the way, for the Super Bowl futures market, 15% of the bets, so that's the most in that respective futures market over at BetMGM Sportsbook, our friends at BetMGM, are on the Minnesota Vikings to lift the Lombardi Trophy. That's courtesy of John Ewing. I'm going to give you the floor here to rant and complain and moan about why the Minnesota Vikings are fraudulent. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do some complaining, although this helped my Chiefs massively. But I, I did get Bills minus three uh, last week when it looked like Case Keenum was going to start. I maintained from the, from square one. I thought Allen might play, uh, which I said on uh, Gridiron Gamble that week. And it, it turned out to be, to be true. And I think they closed minus six and a half. It looked like market was still a little bit afraid he'd be limited since the initial look ahead was was above seven but yeah completely dominated the vikings from the line of scrimmage in that game and then just miracle play fourth and 18 we were sweating it leaving the game uh, my buddy had it pulled up on his phone so uh, a lot of chiefs fans were very excited to watch the vikings pull that out but let's be honest uh, the bills were the much better team I know Josh Allen hasn't played the best this year. It's reminding me a little bit of of Patrick Mahomes last year. You know he's an awesome quarterback. You know he's top three in the world, whatever, probably top two. Um, but just hasn't really been at his best. Some old habits creeping in. Um, yeah, I, I think he gave it away a little bit. And, and yeah, I, I just, I'm not ready to sit here and tell anybody the Vikings are a top five team. I, I, I still have them in the bottom half of my top 10. Uh, I think you do too. And uh, yeah, yeah, even though you grabbed some futures on these guys, I, I think we're in agreement that this is a very fortunate team and a solid team, but but not a team that, I guess a team that we just both think the market is, is going to be giving too much credit to. Right, but there still is a little Minnesota money coming in over the last 24 hours, which is surprising considering the Cowboys are in a bounce back spot after losing in overtime at Green Bay. But to your point about Minnesota getting fortunate, that's count them seven straight one score wins. How, and I, I'm about to ask this question and we don't have the answer. So I'll preface with that, but how often do we see that where you get all this variance in a sport that's a shortened season in terms of, now 17 regular season games with the expanded regular season. We don't. Like the biggest comparison to me is college basketball last season where Providence and granted we saw in the tournament, at least I saw as a college basketball batter, that team was just an experienced, a veteran laden team that maybe the market was giving the proper amount of credit to. I continued to fade them in the regular season. Luckily I came around in the sweet 16 against Kansas. But again, in short, we don't see this in a, in a NFL season in particular, 
where the variance just continues over this long of a stretch, Mel. Yeah, it's usually hard to uh, have things break your way week after week uh, in a sport like this, for sure. Um, And yeah, I I definitely think their defense has been really lucky. Um, I am very skeptical of this coverage unit, for sure. It looks like uh, PFF is as well. They hate their coverage, but like everything else on their defense, EPA is not a big fan of the Vikings. They have the middle of the pack. I I just think the offense is fine. I I think it's probably a top 10 offense and, and that that'll get you far right with an average defense. But I also think, you know, when you have an average defense, you can't expect to just keep winning week after week like this, because at some point, you know, the other team's going to smack your defense and and something is going to go wrong with your offense, right? Unless you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen that can just consistently march the ball down the field. But, but that's not what this team has. So, uh, you know, I think Kirk cousins has done a fine job. And I think at this point, you know, we probably have to commend the coaching staff. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing good work with this team. I, I think it's a relatively limited team in terms of, of talent. I, I think at least four or five, Roster is probably better than them in the NFC, but you know they're doing good work to to get the most out of a, a just okay group of of players. No doubt, but just one more quick point, or maybe two more quick points. I don't know why the Vikings are fraudulent. Before we get on to our Week Eleven best bets here on Beat the Closing Line, presented by TheLines.com, twenty fifth in terms of opponents' dropback success rate, which means opponents are dissecting this Ed Donatel shell zone, which to your point, you brought up this defense is very vulnerable to explosive opposing passing attacks. And if the bills don't fumble on the goal line in the final minute of that game, Minnesota loses outright and granted still covers against the spread, but loses outright. And this variance short, maybe not even short-term long-term variance that we're seeing now with the Vikings is, is over. So we're going to continue to fade Minnesota, maybe not this week, We won't do it this week, but in future weeks, Mo and I will be back here to lose more money betting against the Minnesota Vikings. I might lose more money, Mo, betting against the Tennessee Titans. So kicking things off with Packers and Titans on Thursday Night Football. Packers opened in terms of the Sunday night opener. I think the look at line was Green Bay minus one and a half. Packers beat the Cowboys in overtime, overcoming the two touchdown deficit down 28 to 14 in the fourth. Minus two and a half flips to minus three here as we're recording this Tuesday afternoon and some juice three. So I admittedly got Packers minus two and a half minus 110. I don't love a juiced minus three, but it seems like this line could tick up to to minus three and a half potentially. Maybe a juice Titans plus three and a half if you look at it from the other side of things. So some reasons why I like the Packers. If you go back to the fourth quarter against Dallas, yes, maybe you can call that some positive variance going Green Bay's way, especially with that fourth down touchdown pass uh, to Christian Watson, the second of his three touchdown receptions. We'll both touch on Christian Watson a bit more here in a second. But if you look at Aaron Rodgers' dropback EPA plus completion percentage over expected from weeks one through nine, and if you're unfamiliar with the term CPOE, it considers contextual variables that determine whether a pass is more or less likely to be completed in the grand scheme of things, rather than just using the metric completion percentage, which is a pretty traditional stat that doesn't tell the whole story of whether a pass should or 
should be completed. Rogers ranked 23rd in dropback EPA plus CPOE completion percentage over expected in weeks one through nine. But in the small sample size of last week against a susceptible Dallas defense that lost one of its outside corners midway through that game, he ranked sixth in that category and number one in week 10 in CPOE. And obviously the emergence of Christian Watson, the rookie receiver, four grabs, a buck 08, and three touchdowns. On the flip side of things, the Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who this Packers pass defense will be facing and has performed pretty well in terms of the back seven secondary for Green Bay, even though they're without one of their own starting quarterbacks for the rest of the way. Ryan Tannehill ranked dead last in CPOE, completion percentage over expected against the Broncos last week. So another fortunate outcome for Tennessee. Speaking of one score wins and some positive variance going your way. Titans are six and three outright mo, but the fourth lowest net yards per play. At least Minnesota is in the middle of the pack when we think about fraudulent teams in that respective metric. Yes, the Packers are bottom five in terms of run defense, which is concerning against one of the best backs in the league in Derrick Henry, but a must-win spot for the Packers at four and six. Playoff hopes hanging in the balance in a sense, even though the NFC North, like we mentioned, a little bit wrapped up with the Vikings. So I wouldn't necessarily bet minus three, minus 115, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like the betting market is going to come back on the Titans if you look at their last four matchups or five matchups against the Broncos, Chiefs, Texans, Colts, and Commanders. The market was against the Titans in terms of line movement in all five of those games. So if you like Green Bay, you might want to hop on now, even at a juiced minus three amount. Yeah, I think you must be right about that part. Um, I, I can't see this going back down to two and a half. I'm kicking myself for not hopping on the look ahead. I write the look ahead article uh, every week for the lines.com and <laughs> minus one. And I was looking at it. I was staring at minus one and minus one and a half. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I, well, because I, I bet against the Titans. So I thought they were going to lose. So I, I thought that maybe I should get on that. And then they won, and it still goes to minus three. That's how unimpressive this team has been. Um, I, I kind of think minus three is where it should be, so I don't think I'm going to be in there on this one. Could definitely see this going to three and a half, though. Um, just it's a lot of stuff that's tough to parse with the Packers. Um, you know, this could have just been dead cat bounce, bottom of their market, bottom of everything for them, and, and it has to get better, and it did. But on the other hand, you know, working in Christian Watson more, a talented rookie, this only bodes well and, and should continue going forward, right? And, and he was a legitimate um, difference maker in, in that game. Um, but, yeah, this is also the rule of, like, you can't go to the backs against the wall well the whole season, right? I mean, you can't sustain that for the whole season. That's where they definitely were at against uh dallas so i'm a little bit i I definitely with you i don't like the titans at all and i'm you know they scored on a 70 yard trick play last week like they really only had 10 (laughs) points beyond that um I, i don't trust this team to beat anybody with a pulse when your passing offense is this bad that being said some concerning matchups on both sides of the ball, I think, in terms of the Packers, just because, like you said, their run D stinks, and obviously 
having to face Derrick Henry, that's not good. And then on the other side, man, they've been getting so much mileage out of Aaron Jones and their running attack. And the Titans are actually good at stopping the run. So you need old Rodgers here. You need um, Rodgers to turn it back a little bit. I don't know if he still can do that, but man, uh, a passing offense this bad in in a road environment, I I would definitely bet Packers if I had to pick a side, but I, I would rather, I, I'm just upset that I didn't get two and a half. So I think I'm just going to let it be at three. Sounds like you're talking yourself into staying away from the three because you didn't get it under that key number, which is fair. If I didn't get the the two and a half minus one ten early Monday morning, I might not be on the Packers either. Shout out to Steven Andres who bought that late Sunday night. And I took a look at it and with the market moving early Monday morning, jumped on board that. So good call from our coworker at the lines.com. Steven, be sure to check out all of his work and all of his podcasts, all of his podcasts in plural at the lines.com podcast network, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Now, Mo, over to another team that has won, or the Vikings have won nine one-score victory this season. To give them credit, it came against these Packers in week one. But on to another one-score, or team that has relied on one-score results and wins this entire season, the New York Giants are laying three, and it's a cheap three. It's minus 105 against the Detroit Lions this Sunday. So tell me why you're back in New York and Big Blue. Yeah, I, I took the cheap three, but uh, I, I think there's an argument to wait on this one and see if some two and a halfs pop. Um, kind of the juice was all over the place on this one earlier. There was some sides, some sites that had Giants as the juice side and some sites that had Lions plus three as the juiced side. So it's kind of a, a confusing spot, but I, I do think the Giants should be above three. I just... I haven't bet on the Giants like all year, so I'm definitely not high on the Giants. I think I'm lowest on the Giants maybe in the power rankings. I'm definitely uh, one of the lowest. Um, I still have them closer to 20. But that being said, man, this Lions team has been walking on water the last couple of weeks. I mean, they definitely <laughs> they definitely didn't deserve to beat the Packers, and they probably didn't deserve to beat the bears either. They got soundly outgained in both of those, uh, in terms of yards per play. Um, the bears absolutely wallop them in yards per play seven to 5.5, but defensive touchdown bears killed themselves with penalties. Bears missed an extra point. Basically everything that could go wrong for the bears went wrong, but they absolutely destroyed the lions, uh, from the line of scrimmage and, and kind of a similar story in that Packers game. Uh, basically Rodgers just threw that away in the red zone. That game entirely came down to, to the red zone the lions converted two of their three opportunities and and the packers i mean i shouldn't even say the packers it, it was it was aaron Rodgers like single-handedly yeah. throwing that game away and i'm the number one aaron Rodgers fan in the world but i've never seen him play that bad uh every single one of those picks was basically inexcusable so um just basically a spot where I, I really, really want to sell the Lions after these two, what I consider basically fake wins. Um, and I also love the coaching mismatch here in the Giants favor. Brian Dable has been doing tremendous work all season. The Giants don't have a talented roster. We know this. It's probably about on par with what the Lions are running out there, but he's just getting so much more out of, out of the players he's got than, than Dan Campbell. So, uh, I, I think you could wait on this one. I, I'm not like saying definitely fire this now. 
I, I think I my strategy here is I, I took the cheat minus three and I'm going to add more if I see two and a half. Makes sense. All of what you said in terms of lines, negative aggression coming after the last couple of weeks, I agree with the one area that, you know, you made the case against the Packers laying the three minus 115, which is fair. I'm going to make the case against New York a little bit. Now, I'm not making the case to bet Detroit either. So it's more of a, a stay away for me. The Giants were outgained by a full yard per play against the Texans last week. Houston with two turnovers in the red zone. So you made the case that if the Texans convert at least one of those, they probably cover the number. And honestly, you might get a cheaper Giants price. Maybe this is sitting two or a juice two and a half to your point about potentially waiting in the market for this later in the week if the Texans did convert on at least one of those red zone opportunities. But instead, Davis Mills and Damian Pierce decided to turn the ball over, which is not a surprise if you watch Houston Texans football over the last two plus seasons, maybe with the exception of the Matt Schaub era, the Texans have been turning the ball over a lot, especially with Davis Mills on the road. So Mo, you gave out your first pick. It's Giants, maybe telling people to wait a little bit. My first pick was backing the Packers, and I'm telling people potentially to even grab a juice minus three because this might tick up to a cheaper minus three and a half, I should say, with the hook. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Now my, or the third game we're going to discuss and my second pick overall on the podcast has also moved a little bit. I backed the Colts earlier this morning and I know people are going to say, how did you get the best of the number yet again? And I promise Mo and I both do not get the best of the number every single time. I'm sure one of my bets last week, you know, Broncos, for instance, I bet Broncos plus two and a half, I think on Wednesday evening, it shot up to plus three when Tannehill was playing. And that was plus three minus 10 both ways when Ryan Tannehill was noted that he was participating full in practice on Thursday. But with that being said, I grabbed Colts plus seven and a half on Tuesday morning. It's now sitting at plus six and a half. So under the key number of seven, that's the Eagles laying minus six and a half on the road coming off of that Monday Night Football Second half, brutal performance against the Commanders. I saw somebody had Commanders money line at over plus 200, and obviously they benefited from the late touchdown in the final seconds of that game. Speaking of variants going, those batters way. If you backed Washington on the second half money line, you're shaking your head. No, I'll let you chime in here before I get into my, my Colts bet. Oh, yeah, that was a painful uh, final touchdown for me. I actually uh, fired in kind of a weird bet, but I took under 12 and a half fourth quarter, um, before the game, <laughs> I just thought decent chance. The Eagles were going to be ahead. They were going to be killing the clock. Sure. So, so that situation isn't even what happened, but I still was going to get there. 
and and then that last touchdown. But even if dude just misses a fifty-five yard field goal, I get there. So that was a pretty painful loss. Spoken like a batter who only remembers the losses, and unfortunately, I'm right there with you. So on to more of a positive note about, or at least hopefully, why the Colts can can cover the seven and a half, and I would even bet the six and a half against Philly. We've touched on fraudulent teams a lot on this podcast so far, Mo, and I think the Eagles are another one of them. Not that they're not the best team in the NFC, but it also goes to show you how maybe poor the NFC is collectively in comparison to the AFC. Because you look at this Eagles run defense, and they had their issues before nose tackle, rookie nose tackle Jordan Davis went on injured reserve. They were given up the second highest rushing EPA expected points added from weeks one through eight over that eight game stretch or seven game stretch with the buy included. And that metric and their ranking in that perspective metric was masked by the, their opponent's negative game script. So not being able to run the ball on the second half and having to come back because the Eagles were up ahead because of their positive turnover luck. And I'll touch on that here in a second. But if you go back to these last couple games, against the Texans on the road on Thursday Night Football and against the Commanders, like we just discussed on Monday Night Football, they still rank number 25 in opponents rushing EPA over this two-game spam. Now, the Eagles had that plus 13 turnover differential, and Minnesota, unfortunately, or if you've been backing the Vikings, luckily for you, is right behind them at plus eight. Now, turnover regression doesn't always happen in terms of negative regression over the course of the season, over maybe the midst of a second half of the season after getting some positive turnover luck your way in the first half, Philly was dead even in turnover differential. So plus zero or minus zero, depending on how you want to look at it last year. And if you go back to teams in the past, like the 49ers, when they made the Super Bowl against their Chiefs Mo, they dealt with some negative turnover luck in the year before that Super Bowl run, and then they make the Super Bowl and get a ton of turnover luck. And that, of course, has a lot to do with a very stout defense. But the Eagles, like I mentioned, have a very poor run defense, and they're up against a Colts offense that can run the football. But starting out and just explaining where the betting market is on the Colts, you backed the Colts last weekend. A lot of the betting market did as well on the road at the Raiders as that line dipped from Indy plus six to plus four and a half or Vegas minus six to Vegas minus four and a half, depending on how you, you look at the market. And that was because Matt Ryan was rumored to replace Sam Ellinger under center. And Matt Ryan ranked number 11 last week in terms of completion percentage over expected against the Raiders. It seemed like that shoulder sprain was a little bit cleared up and also goes to show that unfortunately, Jim Irsay, the Colts owner probably was the one to, push Ellinger under center and take Matt Ryan out, even though he was dealing with that quote unquote dinged up shoulder injury. So with Matt Ryan back in under center, a veteran quarterback, even though he's going up against a tougher Eagle secondary, the Colts offensive line is also playing better. You benched Matt Pryor finally after playing three different positions on the offensive line over the course of what a nine game stretch this season, and they found a couple solid replacements on the offensive line in Bernard Raymond and Will Fries, and they both rank not great, but above average, I guess, if you look at pro football focus, and they open things up for Jonathan Taylor on the ground, in particular against the Raiders 
last week. So all that being said, Mo, I'm probably going to lose money backing the Colts after they covered for you against Philly in a week 10. Yeah, you definitely could. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely see like a wide range of outcomes in this game. You know, um, I, I think if the Eagles can, or uh, sorry, if the Colts can put the Eagles into a negative script, like you said, I could see the Colts winning this game outright at home. Uh, absolutely. Um, and if, if it goes the other way though, I could see this being an Eagles blowout. Uh, if we have to see Matt Ryan against this pass rush, <laughs> I don't think good things are going to happen for the Colts, but I, I do think, like you said, they do line up with some of the Eagles weaknesses here with the weak run defense. Um, it, it all depends on how the game's going. Like this could be a, a great live betting spot in that sense. Like True. if the Colts are in there and it's just blow for blow for both teams, uh, I, I like the Colts chances to maybe even potentially win. But if Eagles go up 10 points and Matt Ryan's dropping back uh, against uh, this top five pass rush and he's trying to throw off his back foot and do uh, a very talented set of DBs, I don't like what could happen here. So what I mean when I'm saying all that is if you bet the Colts, which I think six and a half obviously is a little bit of a disappointing line when seven and a half was literally available this morning. Um, <laughs> I do kind of like parlaying it with the under because I do think the Colts and the under are correlated because it's like you said, uh, if the Colts are going to be in this game, they need to be pounding the rock. That's going to be bleeding the clock. Um, and if they're behind and Matt Ryan's throwing, we could be seeing turnovers and short fields. So I think that Eagles, uh, sorry, Colts parlayed with under, um, makes some sense. Uh, I, this is still a solid defense. They can definitely limit, um, what I've been skeptical of this Eagles offense all year. I'm not a big fan of Jalen Hurts from a skill set standpoint. I am happy for his success. He seems like an awesome dude, but I don't think he's a very talented player. Um, and <laughs> now without AJ Brown, I am pretty, I'm a little worried about his, uh, his, the ability to keep sustaining anything close to this level of success. I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be out or not this week. I haven't seen much about his injury, but I, I did see he went down uh, in that game. No doubt. And just to give a quick status update on AJ Brown, obviously that being huge part of the Eagles offense. And if you go back to week 10 on Monday Night Football against Washington, Jalen Hurts ranked below league average in terms of completion percentage overexpected in a negative game script. So you've been harping on it all season and you did just there, Mo. When the Eagles offense face that, you know, face the situation where they're dealing with a little bit of adversity offensively in terms of not being able to run the ball and rely on that elite ground attack with a very stout offensive line and have to rely on Hertz's passing ability. The numbers don't look great for Hertz in a small sample size. And again, just to go back to the AJ Brown ankle injury we don't know his status heading into this game, but that obviously impacts Philly's ability to generate some explosive passing plays. Now, over to Sunday Night Football, wrapping up here with our fourth and final bet here on Beat the Closing Line Mo, taking another team that might be undervalued in the betting market after the Chargers did cover at the 49ers last Sunday night in Week 10. And luckily for you, I know you were back in the Chargers. The 49ers did not score on that goal-to-go situation. I was not sure I deserved that one, but I'll take it. 
You'll take it and you'll explain why. Kansas City is a six and a half, seven point favorite, depending on the shop on Sunday Night Football in the second of these two teams meeting so far this season with Kansas City pulling out a fortunate Thursday Night Football win back in week two against these Chargers. Mo, where are you looking for Chiefs Chargers round two on Sunday Night Football? Yeah, definitely uh, looking at the Chargers here. Um, Hopefully by the time we get this out to you guys, there's still some plus sevens out there because like you said right now, it's a mix between seven and six and a half. It just depends on where you're looking. Um, This is just a, I'm very surprised to see the line this high. Uh, The Chargers have played the Chiefs very tough, basically ever since Justin Herbert took over as quarterback. Um, The Chiefs, have three wins in four meaningful games in the series, but two of those wins came in overtime. And uh, yeah, I just am impressed with what the Chargers coaching staff honestly has been able to do against the Chiefs. Um, this These games have been consistently very close. The Chiefs offense has been consistently not shut down because it's obviously like basically impossible to shut the Chiefs down, but they've definitely been limited by Brandon Staley's what he's been doing I know that he gets dumped on a lot and probably rightfully so this year I don't think he's done a great job this year but um he was one of the pioneers of the too high approach that has forced the Chiefs to put their inner Tom Brady uh out there and just dink and dunk down the field um (laughs) It's been, it's not what Mahomes wants to do. You know, we've seen since 2018 when he came out, this guy wants to attack downfield. He wants big plays because he can make big plays. Um, But when you're backing your safeties up, uh, he has, he has to dial up the patience and it hasn't always been there in the past. Although this year, I think he's been notably better um, at avoiding uh, pressing the issue when the deep shots aren't there. It it might be honestly a little bit too much the other way where he's missing a couple deep shots. I definitely saw a couple that he missed in that Jags game. Um, but yeah, going back to what the chargers have done, it's worked overall. Like the chiefs have scored about 27 points per game, actually exactly 27 per game the last few years in these games. That sounds like a lot for sure, but it's for one thing, it's the Chiefs, so 27 isn't even that high. Um, and for another thing, you know, they got a defensive touchdown in that last game. So it's honestly, it's a little bit lower than that. That number is a little bit inflated. Um, they have built basically their entire team to combat what the Chiefs do, which is the highest compliment to the Chiefs. But also, I think it, it matters because it, it's helped, you know. And and I think it's it's normal and what they should do when the chiefs are as dominant as they, as they've been in the division. And then on the offense, we could be seeing a shot in the arm this, this week. I have dumped on Keenan Allen more than anyone. Cause very frustrating having him on my fantasy teams when a hamstring strain is apparently like a broken ankle. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what's going on there, but it sounds like he's going to be back in practice and man, do the chargers need it because every time I watch this, team on offense all i see is a million dump offs to austin eckler sure he's a good player but justin herbert should not have an a dot this low i mean let's be real i i he he needs to get use 
his talent and, and push the ball downfield. And that's what made this team so dangerous the last couple of years on offense. So um, I, I also, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to, you know, exploit this run defense quite as much as, you know, a team like the Niners did. And yeah, you look back at the look ahead. I mean, this was five and a half. I don't know what happened this weekend to make us think this should be seven. I know the Chiefs looked good, but you know, and the Chargers struggled, but like I said, could be getting healthier here. I liked what I saw from Herbert. He definitely looks healthier than he did a few weeks ago. He's actually scrambling a little bit, uh, which I think is uh, a nice little boost for the offense. And and we already see the market moving off the seven, and, and I think it's rightfully so. I, I don't think the line should be this high. No, it's a good point in terms of line movement and the look at line too, and you mentioned that you write up that piece over at thelines.com every week. So be sure to check that out. So I agree with you on the spot, but just to continue with the trend of us playing devil's advocate on each other's bets here on Beat the Closing Line, discussing our week 11 plays. Again, it's a huge game for the Chargers trying to get one game back of Kansas City in the AFC West. So it's a perfect spot and a buy low situation coming off that loss at the 49ers, even though, like you mentioned, Chargers offense maybe underperformed because of their coaching staff more so than Herbert's ability. But I will make the case that Kansas City's secondary, your Chiefs and their back seven and defensive backs overall are playing better over the last two games. Now, granted, one of those games came against Malik Willis and the other one game came against Trevor Lawrence, who can be a bit erratic. But I think the overall stout play in terms of the secondary is a little bit of a credit to defensive back Trent McDuffie, who's finally back and he came back first in that, that Titans game going back to a couple Sunday nights ago in Kansas City during this stretch allowing the fifth lowest drop back success rate so again you consider the opponents over the last two weeks you're now getting a potentially more explosive Chargers offense with if Keenan Allen is back and and Staley decides to let Herbert air it out a little bit more to your point about Herbert underperforming though he opened the season at plus 800 to win NFL MVP. That was tied with Patrick Mahomes for the second shortest odds. He's now sitting at 66 to one though at BetMGM. So the market, like a lot of times, tells you where a player is in terms of his performance, whether it's a buy low situation on Herbert and the MVP market overall, I wouldn't even go that far. But again, it just shows you how poor he's performed to the market standard in regards to where he was at the beginning of the season in this futures market. Yeah, overall, I, I thought he played well against the Niners. It, it was a tough spot. Uh, the offensive tackles got wrecked by by uh, Nick Bosa. Uh, he was obviously under a lot of pressure. Um, I, I do think Trent McDuffie is likely a difference maker for the Chiefs. Um, the cornerback play has been hit or miss, like you've talked about all season. Uh, so that definitely should help them. Uh, I, I just think, man, this Chargers team, we know these divisional underdogs have overall performed well. We know um, divisional home underdogs definitely overall usually <laughs> perform well. And uh, I'm pretty excited to get the Chargers plus seven, even with Herbert not necessarily uh, not playing as well as we, we expected coming into the season. But I, I think a lot of that obviously does have to do with the weapons at his disposal. It's been a little bit rough. No doubt. And Mo and I like to give each other crap a lot over his Chiefs, whether it's me considering Mark Andrews, maybe a better tight end than Travis Kelsey. Maybe that's 
you know, false opinion. And Mo can go on a rant about that all day, but we'll save it for another episode. But to give Mo credit, when you think about fandom overall, especially in the betting space, usually a lot of content guys aren't willing to bet against their team. And the fact that Mo has done it a bunch this season shows you how good of an analyst he is. So be sure to follow Mo Nawara on Twitter, a great NFL analyst, along with the rest of his content over at thelines.com. You can follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-N-U-W-W. That's two consecutive W's. A-R-A-H on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. And like I mentioned from the get-go, be sure to give the video here on YouTube if you're watching it. A thumbs up, subscribe, ring the bell for notifications, and also subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts to be entered for an Amazon gift card. That's going to do it here for Beat the Closing Line in Week 11. So long, and Mo, Nicole, and I, Nicole, will be back next week discussing the NFL Week 12 card before Thanksgiving. So long, everybody. 